0: Maybe it's all about taking the current funnel and just focusing on increasing the donation amount, or maybe it's all about just getting more leads into the database, or maybe it's like a combination, but I feel like kind of the working backwards and like by focusing on the KPIs is something that I would love to see more nonprofits do.
1: Welcome back to What The Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. Today, I'm interviewing Gari Monglik. Gari is the CEO and co-founder of Instrumental, a platform that brings grant discovery, research, and tracking in one place. With Instrumental, development staff are more effective and efficient at finding the right grants for their nonprofits. And in this episode, she talks about the journey to creating this powerful tool and a lot of the lessons and insights she gathered along the way. Gari challenges nonprofits to integrate a more data-driven, tech-inspired orientation, while also offering important advice for startups that aren't quite there yet. I love that she talks about who is and who isn't right for instrumental. Alignment is everything, and it's clear that Gari doesn't just want more organizations on her platform, she wants the right organizations on her platform. We touch on Instrumental's functionality, which includes robust prospecting, calendaring, collaboration, and tracking tools. Gari shares thoughts on building blocks nonprofits want to have in place before focusing on grant writing in a specific way, including establishing baseline traction as an entity and adopting an empowerment mindset. We also talk about why metrics aren't robust enough in the nonprofit space and how a commitment to leveraging a more data-driven approach can yield payoff in terms of conversion rates and help identify formulas and the right levers to pull. There is so much inside this episode, so let's dive in so you can meet Gari. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Gari Monglik. Gari, welcome to What the Fundraising.
0: Cool. Nice to be here.
1: I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you today. Why don't we just kick it off with you telling everyone a little bit about your story and what brings you to your current work?
0: Yeah. So I came to the nonprofit tech world from more of the product and tech world. My two co-founders, Angela and Catherine, they were the nonprofit domain experts, and they saw this initial problem, the problems that we ended up tackling, but I had previously worked at Airbnb and I previously had my own tech startup before that. That was not at all in the nonprofit space, but I got really into building really great easy to use products in general. And when I saw the landscape of tech products that were out there, especially in the areas in which Angela and Kat were working in, in the world of grants, I was underwhelmed and I thought we could definitely do better. And so I come more from that
1: lens. Can we talk a little bit about lack overall of female leadership in the nonprofit tech space in general? But you are some of the only female founders in the tech space in the nonprofit sector as well. What have you noticed in terms of that element of it?
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, like you said, it's in the nonprofit tech space. It's in the for-profit tech space. I would say it's just in the tech space. I think there's a lot of reasons potentially for it. And I think I see it as an opportunity to hopefully have other people join me and build companies in this space and build companies in tech in general. And most of our company is actually female. I think once you establish culture of inclusivity, a lot of people will say it's hard to hire women and things like that, but I've not found that to be the case. I'm almost trying to like diversify and hire more men because <laughs> like we're kind of unbalanced in that way. But I think one of the big struggles that people tend to have as being a leader is fundraising, whether it's potentially nonprofit or for-profit I definitely think that's true. And I like opted out of that. I was like, I'm going to build a profitable company that's sustainable. I don't need to play that game because I think the internet is now big enough. This market is big enough for us to just focus on growing sustainably. So that was another kind of approach Mm. that I took.
1: I love that and you know it's interesting of course as I was saying it I was like well female leadership in tech in general is the same as what we're seeing here I think why it feels so starkly different in the nonprofit sector is because there's so much female leadership in the sector like 75% of the sector is women and then mm-hmm. you see all the sort of tech that's supporting the sector which is primarily men and it feels like this very sort of weird dynamic so anyways it's just something that I love about your company as well but Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about Instrumental?
0: So Instrumental is a platform that works with nonprofits as well as grant writing consultants that work with nonprofits, helping them with everything end-to-end grants. So prospecting, research, tracking, creating your grant calendar, collaborating with your team and reporting, it can all be done in one easy-to-use platform. And our overall goal is to help you be generally more successful with grants And so what that looks like for us is we are able to get our customers to use or to send out almost 78% more applications while actually having them save time each week. I'd like to say that your life will just be easier as a person working in grants if you use Instrumental.
1: That's awesome. And I'm curious, coming from the for-profit world and then into the nonprofit sector, what have been some of your sort of biggest surprises in terms of challenges that you've seen in the sector, whether it be like adoption of new tech or just what's some of the things that you've noticed looking at those things in comparison to one another?
0: One of the biggest things that I think is super interesting or was super interesting for me, it was about a, like previous iteration of instrumental It was a big learning. And then we had to kind of change directions because it was such a big learning. And that was, we initially thought, why can't we connect nonprofits and funders directly, grant seekers and grant makers mm-hmm. directly? Now it's obvious in retrospect, maybe you're like, oh yeah, that's uh, definitely not going to work as someone in this space. But we were like, why is this happening? Like this whole grants process is super inefficient. We just mm-hmm. connect them on a platform. Nonprofits like tell us about your projects and then funder can actually just go and say, this is who I want to fund. That model has worked in a lot of other spaces, a lot of marketplaces have come out of that. And we were like going at this, we actually, this was the initial idea that we went through Y Combinator with, which was a startup Mm. accelerator. So we even got money for this. Everybody in the for-profit world was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Mm. And then we interviewed tons of funders, all different kinds of funders. And they've gone from zero to one, like a couple of times. And the big part of that is customer validation making sure that you're working on something that truly is helpful. And I've never had such a, a negative reaction from customers when you like pitch them something. Like sometimes they'll just be like, oh yeah, like maybe, and then you take that as a no. But like in this case, we would like pitch this a kind of marketplace idea to funders. And they were like, no, nah. I like really wouldn't use that. And I was like, okay, wow, why is that? What I learned was that this is like a philanthropic environment. Normally when two people are in a marketplace, somebody's making money. And the funders case, it's what's kind of different in this market is that a funder is giving away money. And so from an accountability perspective and an incentive perspective, there's really not much motivation for them to give money in like a better way or in a more efficient way or more effective way. I'd like to say that probably no one's gonna get fired at a funder if they give away their money ineffectively. Like that's just like kind of not a concept Mm -hmm. because they're giving it out. So I think that those kinds of market dynamics were interesting to learn. And then the other thing I would say on the in terms of what we do today, which is offer a SaaS platform for one side of that, the nonprofits that we see have a hair on fire problem that we can actually solve. There's just like a higher bar of making sure your product is useful because a nonprofit doesn't have the benefit of being able to like take a bet on you as a tool. So you actually have to meet a certain bar of usefulness and value. I think once you achieve that, the nonprofit space is a great space to like build technology for. But on the for profit side, if you're like a sales leader at a tech company, you're kind of like hungry looking for new tools to try to see if you can like optimize something or make something better. And I think that hunger, that drive to like potentially invest in something new is not quite there in the nonprofit sector.
1: Interesting. Okay. The piece you said about the other iteration of the technology, I think that's actually one of the most important stories. It's really sad to me because I think it is a really inefficiency in the sector. What you're proposing to do would make everyone's money go so much farther because all of these nonprofits would spend so much less time dealing with all of the different types of grant application processes and questions and it would just make alignment so much easier so that people could find each other and it would probably actually increase some of the equity work if it was more mm-hmm. of like an open source connector so I'm not surprised, unfortunately, but I think it also illuminates even when there is a solution available, sort of how sad it is that we don't opt into it when it ultimately increases the impact of our work in Mm -hmm. so many ways. I'm a bummed.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think it's that version too. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really a matter of incentives and like, maybe they're changing. I think with More recent times with like COVID needing to give away money more quickly and the Black Lives Matter movement, where there's more of a scrutiny on giving away more equitably. If there's like kind of a public understanding of like how to hold funders accountable or like Mm -hmm. at least be more aware of it, then that could be an incentive for a funder to say, like, oh, okay, actually, I need to like opt into a platform like this. But incentive, I feel like beyond just altruism, I feel like altruism is great. But if you're actually getting someone to like adopt your platform and maybe even buy something, you need to have there be something else
1: yeah but it's confusing that's sort of a confusing dynamic in an activity that is positioned as being altruistic the giving of money away we're trying to like incentivize how to do that more efficiently But it feels a little bit confusing because that activity was supposed to be altruistic.
0: (laughs) But I guess because it's altruistic, then you have the funders that are just able to make up their own rules because it's kind of like, well, I'm giving it away. So I get to decide.
1: I think you're bringing up a really interesting point because I think maybe a lot of people would make the assumption that funders would want to give away their money in a way that was as easy as possible for nonprofits to plug in. And the fact that that isn't true, I think is actually really an important conversation to have within the sector, because that has the opportunity to really change things, like having a platform like that. And I didn't know that about uh, the previous version of the software. And it's something I've thought a lot about too. I do a lot in corporate partnerships and I've long thought about what would it look like for there to be sort of a SaaS platform that allowed companies to sort of put in what they're looking for in terms of cross-sector partnerships, Mm -hmm. nonprofits to put in the assets they sort of had available, where they were aligned on different things, and then let the system match you up. But I think what you're telling me is there's no market for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or at least there wasn't in the way that we were thinking this was a while ago. This was like in 2016, you know, so things yeah. have changed since yeah. then. And it's always on our radar because I feel like that would be such a great value to the space. It's not even like what's the grants process. It's like you just cut it out. Like if you have all the information you need about the nonprofits program and like that can be like kind of publicly updated, maybe you need some more additional pieces of information, but it feels like it could be like way more streamlined than to have starting from scratch with like every single proposal being like totally new.
1: Yes. It's like a little bit common app-ish and like with a SaaS component to it. I love it. What are some of the things that excite you the most about in terms of the nonprofits that are using Instrumental? What do you guys consider? I mean that 78% increase is obviously huge. But what are some of the other wins that get you excited about what you all are doing?
0: I come from like a product background. And the best thing for me is when people are really raving about your product. And what's funny is we're in the B2B space or the nonprofit space, right? And these are tools that you need for work. So like, there's kind of like a limit to like how excited you can be about like a tool that you're using for work. But we see people post reviews that are like, I'm obsessed with Instrumental." And I'm like, really? You're obsessed with your grant tool? That's awesome. I can't believe we built that. There's all of the quantitative stuff that's like really exciting. And mm. we have great like promoter scores where people say they'll refer us. And that's really great. It's the emotiveness when people talk about mm. Instrumental that is really inspiring to me, where if somebody asked you for a, referral for a grant tool, you could say, well, yeah, here are the things that I evaluated. And here's the pros and cons of both that's different than saying like, use Instrumental. I love it. It's awesome. Like It totally Mm -hmm. saved me so much time and there's actually emotion to it. That's the kind of bar that I think we hold ourselves to. I think it's also from a business standpoint, that's really important because when you build a tool that's that useful or easy to use, you get like natural word of mouth. People are kind of spontaneously like, hey, let's check this thing out. We're doing that in the institutional fundraising space. There's still so much for us to build. We're just really scratching the surface. I feel we are kind of really focused on the pre-award world. We want to do more in the post-award world. And then I think beyond grants in general, there's a lot of opportunity and also other customer segments that do grants beyond nonprofits that we don't currently focus on, like government agencies and schools. And so there's a lot of other ways I want to bring our product and kind of customer focus to.
1: I'm curious, and I don't even know the right way to ask this question, but... How much time does someone who's like a grant manager who's using Instrumental, how much are they inside the software or what amount of time inside the software tells you like they're really using this to sort of optimize their whole workflow?
0: Ideally, you're using it every day. That's like how we know that we're truly like adding value, especially if you're a dedicated person that's doing grants, like you're going to be looking at your grant calendar every single day, making updates, like that's what you're doing day in and day out. And so that's our goal. And we do see people doing that. And those will be obviously the longer term customers that are actually like have integrated into their day to day.
1: Yeah. I'm curious, like now that you're inside this market, inside the nonprofit market, What are some things that you're excited to be seeing in this market as they relate to instrumental tech, or just maybe even in a bigger way that you've noticed even over the last five years?
0: I remember when we first started and we were looking at the tracking space. So this was 2015, 2016. There were like a couple of players and we were like, "Mm, it seems like there's not a lot of people using a software tool to like track their grants. And initially Mm -hmm. we were like, maybe that's not that big of a problem because we just Mm -hmm. didn't see a lot of technology options and a lot of nonprofits using that. It is a problem and we just hadn't like gotten there yet from a technology offering standpoint in the market. And so now I see people where they come to Instrumental more and more and their primary need is actually to use technology to stay organized and streamlined. So I think that just speaks to like, just like more technology being leveraged to help nonprofits save time. Especially at the beginning of instrumental, we would talk to people who would like show me their like physical grant calendar. They'd be like, here's my whiteboard, here's how I'm keeping track of things like all the time. And that still happens. If you're one person, like maybe that's okay. And like we do see that happening less and less. The other thing that I see you know, in terms of trends that's exciting is I feel like overall there just has continued to be an increase in foundation funding and like overall institutional mm-hmm. funding. So it seems like there's a lot of promise here for nonprofits that haven't tried this mm-hmm. or are interested in doubling down. The opportunity is out there even though funders are not necessarily like adopting this magical marketplace that we've built i do see the conversation starting to move in terms of more of having a more transparent process in terms of simplified application forms this idea of like trust based philanthropy i think is mm-hmm. definitely way more prevalent than it was even 5 years ago so that's been a cool change
1: yeah, I agree. I double click on all of those things. What's the average size of a nonprofit that uses instrumental, or do you see a big range? Because you occupy a pretty unique space.
0: It's pretty broad, and I think it just kind of mirrors the distribution of nonprofits that actually exist. We have folks that are a couple hundred thousand K in budget that are really just getting started with grants and kind of make sense for them. And then we have universities and hospital systems with billion dollar budgets also using instrumental. We don't work the teeniest of tiniest nonprofits. And if they're regularly applying for grants, we will be happy to help them. But we find that sometimes in the past when we didn't have that restriction, we'd have people that actually weren't quite ready, grant ready, Mm. and they're almost like wasting money on Instrumental. And we're like, don't even use us right now. There's actually potentially other channels that will help you be more successful.
1: I love that. I really love that. I mean, I think optimizing... Making sure that the folks who come in are ready to be using it and at the right phase is really great and a really unique thing to hear in this space. I talk a lot to fundraisers about how not all money is created equal, and Mm -hmm. you don't want to take even funding that isn't aligned with what you're trying to do or whether your mission or value aligned, because it ultimately, it usually ends up costing you a lot more than just not having taken the money in the first place. And I think you're speaking to some of that same piece, which is just that the alignment and the readiness Really matters so that everyone ultimately has a good experience, whether it's inside a tech platform or sponsoring a fundraisers gala and just being able to say, This is a fit and this isn't a fit. Even hearing this isn't a fit yet helps people know when they are ready, which is such Mm -hmm. a gift, I think, to give people and something we don't see enough in the tech space because. Folks want to get people on their software and then it wasn't the right fit and it wasted a lot of the nonprofits time, energy, money, and it certainly increases the hurdle each and every time they go to adopt a new tech because they got their board all excited about this thing that wasn't necessarily right, but they got sold really well on it and then it didn't work out and then it creates a new hurdle for every adoption. So I really appreciate that piece of how you guys frame things up for folks.
0: Yeah, I think it's important for us and it should be, I think, important for everybody selling anything to anybody is that the people that use your product or service are gonna actually see that you meet their desired outcome. And if they're just not gonna be able to, no matter how great your technology is, then you're actually not really serving them.
1: Yeah. Do you have any sort of advice for new grant writers or fundraisers in general based on what you see across the landscape?
0: In terms of advice, just broadly with folks that maybe are getting started with grants, is that who I'm talking to? So first- Make sure you're grant ready. Obviously, get your, your 5 five hundred one c 3 status and all that. That's kind of like a baseline. But you actually want to go a step further into having some sort of way that you can demonstrate some sort of track record of success. The reason is you're not going after individuals, right? You're going after institutions who are giving away larger dollar amounts, which naturally makes them a bit more risk averse. You'll want to invest that time up front to saying, I'm able to show some sort of success with my programs, some initial traction before wasting your precious time on like pursuing These larger funders. I think the other thing that I would say is again to like make sure that you're gonna go after grants when you are gonna be able to come from a place of really understanding that the ROI can be longer term. And that's the other reason that like Mm -hmm. the teeniest of nonprofits, they maybe can like submit a grant or two, but like you really need a process. I'd like to say you Mm -hmm. wanna give it at least two years with the understanding that you are like ready Mm -hmm. and like you have some, you want to get to a place where you feel like you're a no brainer for funders to fund you. They still want to give yourself some time to like submit applications, get feedback, learn, continue to apply, build relationships. And so for that reason, until you get to that point, it may not be, it might, grants might not make sense, right? You might want to invest in like Mm -hmm. that gala or some other sort of thing that caters to individuals because you get a faster feedback cycle, faster ROI. The last thing I'd say is my tip for fundraising in general. And that's just about more of like a mindset thing. There's a lot of reasons that nonprofits are in this position and it's not nonprofits fault, it's the system, it's funders, it's a lot of things, but it can be easy to fall into this trap of feeling this like power dynamic with the funder and there really is this unequal power dynamic. But as much as possible, you can to see if you can like flip that to realize that there are hundreds of billions of dollars going away. From funders and donors, and like you're actually solving a problem for them. They're not gonna be the ones like actually working at your nonprofit. They're not doing that. So they're choosing you to like actually have that outcome happen that they wanna see in the world. And they're gonna give their money to the organization that they think is like actually solving a, an important issue and able to tell their story well. But if you can meet those things, then you're actually solving a problem as opposed to feeling like you need to request or like beg or whatever.
1: I love that. That is totally how we talk about fundraising here. So I really, I really appreciate that. What's a question that I haven't asked you that you wish I would ask?
0: I guess it just goes back to like other advice. I guess like I have one other thing I could share around like concentrating your efforts. I think that one of the other things that I don't see as much of in this space is the rigor in terms of really understanding your metrics and like being able to work Mm -hmm. backwards from them. And this applies to like individuals as well as, you know, institutional fundraising. Like, if your goal is to raise five hundred thousand dollars from grants over the next two years, I wouldn't just start from the beginning. Think about like bake in some assumptions about what your success rates might look like based on how many applications you might want to write. How long would that take? And then work an actual work plan out for the next two years to actually get there. And then I think similarly, you know, if your goal is just to raise more. From individuals, what does that actually mean? Can you break that down into like a almost like a business formula where it might be like leads in your CRM times outreach times conversion to donate at a very high level? And then Mm -hmm. if you look at all of those conversion and then maybe multiplied by like the amount that people donate, and if you look at all of that, okay, this is like what actually causes my revenue to grow. Like this formula, how have these levers changed over time? Which of these levers do I actually think? I have some ideas for how to move, and then I'm just going to like focus on that. Maybe it's all about taking the current funnel and just focusing on increasing the donation amount, or maybe it's all about just getting more leads into the database, or maybe it's like a combination. But. I feel like kind of the working backwards and like by focusing on the KPIs is something that I would love to see more nonprofits do.
1: I love this. And people who are inside my program are gonna think that I planted you to say (laughs) that exact thing, which I did not, you guys. But we do this thing inside Power Partners called Thunder Mapping, which ultimately essentially builds them kind of an Excel sheet with a number of different formulas that does a lot of exactly what you just said, which I think is so true. Like I will have organizations come to me and think, here's my goal for the year. I have no idea how I'm going to get there. And once they start to fill this out, it's like not that far away. How could you tweak a few of these things to reach that goal? And it's just like, oh, I totally, totally agree. It's a huge missing piece of the puzzle. So tell everyone where they can learn more about Instrumental, where they should head, what their next step should be if they're interested in finding out more for their organization
0: yeah we have a 14-day free trial so you can head to our website it's www.instrumental.com spelled instrument and then the letter l.com and we have a 14-day trial so you can try us totally for free no credit card required so at the very least you'll come away with some juicy grant opportunities to potentially pursue but best case scenario you think it's worthwhile for like a long term and you can kind of invest in that platform to make that positive roi in the future we do have a discount code for your listeners mallory50 So if you do choose to subscribe on a monthly or annual basis, you can have a little coupon.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And thank you so much for this conversation today. It was wonderful talking to you and getting to know you and learn more about your incredible platform. Cool. Thanks for having me. I really love this conversation with Gari. I found it very interesting and frustrating to learn about the journey their company had when they were trying to build tech that would connect funders with nonprofits more easily. I hope times have changed here and there might be a greater opportunity for this in the future, but what an incredible lesson in listening, pivoting, and staying committed to providing something of value inside the sector. Here are some of my other takeaways from this episode. Number one, there is missed potential in our sector because of the resistance to creating a streamlined marketplace space for nonprofits to promote their assets, requirements, and track record, a place where funders could shop for partners that would make a good match with their philanthropic goals. Number two, fundraising tools are a fantastic way to optimize, but not if your organization isn't quite ready to ramp up or is unclear about which funders are in alignment with your goals. I loved hearing the way that Gari wants to help nonprofits know when instrumental is right for them and when it's not. Number three, metrics aren't robust enough in the nonprofit space, and we need to figure this out because leveraging a more data-driven approach can yield payoffs in terms of conversion rates and help us identify the levers to pull for impact. Okay, there are so many more takeaways and tips inside this episode and recommendations for references that Gari has provided for our show notes as well. So head on over to malloryerickson.com backslash podcast to grab the full show notes and tons of resources now. You'll also find more information there about Gari and Instrumental. Thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would give it a rating and review and share it with a friend. I am so grateful for all of my listeners and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. And if you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under what the fundraising underscore. Have a great day and I'll see you next week.